When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We are back here discussing Manchester City's win at the week, and we've got transfers to discuss. We've got Super Cups to discuss, and I am joined uh, by your chief Manchester City, Manchester Evening News writer, Simon Baikowski. Simon, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. We were just talking about Turf Moor um, uh, off air there because on the on the last pod, podcast when we were in person, you were just discussing your love for that part of the world. Um, just uh, tell tell the viewers how you how your experience was. Was it good? Good, good experience down there. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, from the sort of minute I got out and parked at the cricket club, and there were uh, three kind of knockoff trophies for uh, fans to have their picture taken with to uh, to make a bit of money. Um, yeah, it was it was nice, nice to have have them back in the Premier League, and uh, yeah, just hope um, Craig Paulson made it out of there alive because after uh, sending sending a Burnley player off towards the the end of the game, he was not a popular figure. I think he might have had to uh, sort of be smuggled out in a traitor's cloak or something. Yeah, it felt quite. I don't know. I don't know about the game. I mean, I know there's not that much distance between the sides geographically. I will say, I will emphasise geographically. Um, but it did. I don't know. I don't know if it was because it was the first game of the season, but it did feel the atmosphere was slightly hostile coming from Burnley's end, wasn't it? It was a it's a strange one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, shouting "you soft" something or other at. Uh, Rico Lewis, after someone's thrown a lighter at his head, is um, is, is quite quite. Some, I don't know. It's it's a particular sort of. Um, I think you get it particularly in Lancashire and Yorkshire, where fans just like support their clubs no matter what, and every decision that goes for them is the right one, and every decision that goes against them is the is the wrong one. Um, so yeah, it can be quite quite hostile to uh to play in which is which is good and you know Burnley will look to pick up a lot of points at home uh, as they've done as they've done previously so um yeah it was a it was a tough night for City yeah, I can I can reveal on this podcast probably for the second or third time that I am a Leeds United fan because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 saying this because our our other co-host as well Dan Murphy used to come on here and and discuss him being a Bolton fan and I can I can, I can definitely definitely um. I agree with that statement that when you come to uh, these Yorkshire and Lancashire teams, it can get quite hostile. Well, I do remember, I do remember Jack Grealish coming to Ellen Road and getting getting a few um, a few harsh words said. Who, to him, who think, was who was the Leeds player a few years ago? Um, it was either Ailing or Dallas at Ellen Road who was like really really late on a tackle and got a red card. And I think, um, I think it was Stuart Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, and the reaction from the crowd was was insane (laughs) it's that kind of thing Huddersfield again was another one where it's uh, very much like that oh Simon you're not putting us in the same bracket (laughs) as that one we'll move move on swiftly yeah (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll talk about City obviously in just a second, but obviously the first uh, calendar weekend of football, I watched the, I mean, the only real game, obviously aside from City, I watched side was the Chelsea-Liverpool game. I thought it was a brilliant game, but I don't know if you managed to catch any. Were there any sort of standouts for you? Obviously Brighton battering Luton with uh, a couple of comical goals thrown in there by Luton. Uh, again, you know, comical defending, I should say, um, you know, um, taking yeah. advantage of Brighton. <laughs> Um, that if you saw those ones, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting first weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Brighton looked very good, um, and so many attacking options. You know, like when you've got kind of Enciso and Ferguson to come off the bench, it's like wow, that that looks pretty good. And obviously, they were very good last season, and we'll look to we'll look to build it again. I quite liked the look of Tottenham. Um, I know they didn't win. They've lost Harry Kane, but, you know, I kind of like what their new manager is trying to do and I don't necessarily know how good they'll be results-wise this season, but I, I think if you're a Tottenham fan, there was plenty to plenty to like and James Madison starting well um, with, with his new team. Newcastle were the other kind of really big team that caught my eye, um, you know, because Emery's Villa were were really good uh, last season, obviously, and it's not easy going to St. James's Park. It's another big atmosphere, but 5-1 and like Harvey Barnes coming off the, the bench and scoring on his first appearance there, they, they look very good. I feel like people maybe haven't written off Newcastle, but sort of thought, oh, they'll, they'll struggle to do what they did last year. And maybe they will, but um, it was a very, very confident start from them. Yeah, I think there was that summer series tournament, wasn't there, in the States where Chelsea won it, but Villa would look very, very good. I think they drew, actually, with Newcastle. They, they out drew there, three, three. all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and Emery's, you sort of see with Emery's sides that they're so... Uh, militant when it comes to defensive organisation and for Newcastle just blow them up. and obviously uh, Sandro Tonali scoring as well so it's uh, I think it's going to be interesting with Newcastle because obviously with European football now the depth is going to be tested um, and obviously you know it might it might it might come to bite them in the end but yeah I think I'm, I'm similar with you really I think after watching extended highlights not watching the games but it, it did look like Newcastle were extremely good. And as I say, uh, uh, Brighton looked very good as well. So definitely one to keep tabs on. But we're not here to talk about all those other teams. We're here to talk about Manchester City, of course, who kicked off the season with a 3-0 win. Um, Sai, before we get into the intricacies of the performance, what are your general thoughts on on City's win? Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, it will go down as kind of a bog-standard win against a newly promoted team. But there was lots in there that made it more difficult than it, it looks on paper. Um and losing Kevin De Bruyne after twenty three minutes was a big a big blow that City had to come back from. So um yeah, I, I lots lots of positives from from the opening night. I think I think sort of pre season was was generally positive, but there were still a few concerns. Um and I think a few of those concerns were were ironed out. Um, on Friday, so so yeah, a, a, a decent start from from the champions, really. You having Haaland for fifty two again? Is he going to extend that? I mean, I mean, it's it's just you just you're looking at him, and I mean, we've said this so many times, but he is just that robotic finisher, and obviously had a tiny bit of a slump towards the back back end of last season. Slump, we will say, um, but by his standards. He's just setting off again, isn't he? And and that goal, obviously, just 
ball played into the box and just the instant reaction to get there ahead of the, the, the burn, the defenders, it just shows why you're probably thinking to yourself, he's going to be that poignant again. You know, he's going to be that productive in the final third. And and you just, I mean, even your player ratings and your analysis after the match, you're almost in awe of what he is as a striker and just a, a general football player, really. Yeah, I saw that um, Burnley goalkeeper James Trafford had uh, left Haaland out of his fancy team and kept himself in. That's confidence. That is, it's a rookie uh, error. It's a rookie <laughs> error. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was, what, three minutes on the clock and he and he slots it in and the second one was just a superb finish. Um, and you just kind of look at him and, yeah, he looks so sharp and he looks like he will just continue to deliver. And he, there were a few more chances where he could have, um, you know, he almost sneaked in for that hat-trick before he, he got took off um, in the final third of the game. So... Yeah, he, he was a big, big plus because I wouldn't say him kind of not scoring in pre-season with, was an issue, but like against Arsenal, I think his expected goals was 0.0. So nobody found him with the chance to chance to score, which is an issue because although kind of City worked out a way to find him in the second half of last season, I think it's always going to come back and teams are always going to try and find a way to to stop that service to him. Um, and so the fact that City were able to to find him free in the box was was sort of definitely an improvement on Arsenal. Yeah, he spoke after the game as well. He was obviously speaking to the Sky Sports camera um, cameras, and, and you just—I think one thing that stands out for me when you're listening to him is it's obviously not only his like almost robotic football and ability; it's his mindset which is just nothing seems to phase him whatsoever you know he goes into every single game and he was discussing blocking out negativity and having that strong mental focus to be able to go in every single game knowing the objective and he was almost saying that Guardiola's honed in on that but he has a natural sort of ability to be able to do that and that's the psychological aspect in that is massive isn't it because it's like he's, it doesn't seem right now that he's put off by anything he just knows the objective at the, at the start of every game to score x amount of goals and he believes in himself so much that that objective will be met yeah i know i spoke to someone who knows him recently who described his i think that they described it as like a laser focus and he he just does have that pinpoint accuracy on what he's going to do and that's why he can just kind of laugh it off when he does uh miss um a chance but he he like you say he's just so self-confident in knowing that if he gets the chances he will score the goals and it, it with with the crowd at Burnley you know that goal kind of deflated them pretty early on and obviously they worked their way back into the the game and Burnley on the tee, on on the pitch were were very good in that first half um but that ability to score a goal from your first chance is just so important in kind of taking control of games yeah and i think Manu Wakanji spoke on it as well he was speaking about the motivation and we did well there's an article on the MEN um, I think by yourself side discussing it and he believes at this moment in time that City have got more of it in terms of motivation and after the treble win people find that confusing and it's, it's almost like a bystander and somebody who talks on City as well it's I do find it difficult and to, to understand how you can almost get that motivation to go again you know we don't like mentioning the other side of Manchester but there after their 99 campaign, Gary Neville's spoken about it before, about how it was so difficult to reach that level again. And 
you know, with a kanji speaking on that, do, do, are you sort of, do you believe that? Do you believe that they have that, that mentality where they feel that they've got that extra motivation to go again at this moment in time? I think they do. Um, I think going off the very early signs, it, it looks like they have it. Um, it, it, we'll wait and see what happens when like the first kind of problems arise. Um, but certainly say 2019 after they won back-to-back titles that summer, they didn't look organized. They didn't look like the heads were in the game and, and they actually had like a load of players sort of in pre-season, which is unusual for them, but there was no major tournament, but they just didn't look like they had that elusive element that had won back-to-back titles. Whereas so far, what we've seen from pre-season and from Burnley is that, yeah, this team are, are bang on it and, and they weren't kind of anywhere near perfect against Burnley, but but they had enough to, to, to get the win, but they also kind of had that effort that is exactly what mm. what you need and that kind of determination to see themselves over the line and hang in the game when when they weren't at the best and when they were stretched so you know it, it is gonna uh, i feel like if they win the league this year we'll say oh yeah they've got that motivation if they don't we'll say oh we, well they never had it but um you know so that nineteen twenty season we saw the cracks um emerging when when they had a few setbacks when they had a draw and a defeat and what whatever so so we'll wait and see on that but the signs so far are really good you wonder if it's competition for places as well don't you i think there's a difference in those two sides obviously there was still quality in that in in, in the previous side that, that you were just alluding to but it feels right now you know for example in the central midfield spot you know um there's always people chop the players chomping at the bit to get in there as well which surely would make that starting 11 you know constantly think about elevating their game you know going away in the off season and doing extra bits so it's like that is my place because pep can just change it whenever he wants and i think that's got to be an extra motivation as well for them to go to that next level you'd expect yeah yeah and and even the sight of like jack Grealish doing shuttle runs out on the pitch while we were in the press conference and there were some players already getting on the bus um you know he's 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 not doing that out the the goodness of his his heart he's out there with a, a conditioning coach um but that is kind of you know a, a sign of a player who wants to to get back in the team and wants to do everything he can and you know City a lot of kind of City success is in the uh, unglamorous parts of the job um, and doing shuttle runs at Burnley at half 11 after you've got played um, is 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 one of those things so yeah you, you, the, per- the perfect nightcap yeah yeah, yeah. you know and, and I mentioned setbacks and maybe De Bruyne's injury will be that and maybe that sort of lessens competition for attacking midfield and it is more on the players who are fit to um to sort of fill in and step up or maybe they sign another attacking midfielder and the competition for places only increases you've absolutely perfectly segued me into that <laughs> well you didn't even know did you you didn't even no, know that's, no that's no fantastic i was just about to move on i just thought is simon gonna link it here and he has done perfectly without even knowing so kevin de bruyne you spoke about it a little bit earlier on 20 minutes in hobbled off and obviously no confirmation yet with how long he's going to be out didn't look good did it Si? it didn't look good and more than that it didn't sound good from from pep um, mm. 
you know, it's similar, always a, similar, similar injury. It felt like, didn't it, to what was what to the Champions before. League final? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's always a worry when a player kind of just stops in a game and says, "I need to come off." Um, and that's what De Bruyne did. And you know, it was a pretty sorry walk off the pitch for him. You can understand why it's his it's his first start since since Istanbul when he had to come off, and he's come off with the same the same injury again. And um, yeah, Guardiola afterwards was kind of expecting him to be out for a while. Now he isn't a doctor, um, and his diagnoses are often a bit wild. But he was kind of talking about his injury in the same bracket as um, the 2017-18 season, I think, or the 18-19 season, when, when he did his, his ligaments and City were out without him for kind of six months now. I don't think it would be that long at all, um, but we could be looking at months rather than weeks that he's out. Um, and, and especially there will be... The, Pep was asked after the game, like, did you bring him back too soon? And it, and it is a, you know, a fair question because... He's talked about coming back early. He was only meant to be back for the Super Cup. Um, now, Pep said, well, if it had happened after 60, 65 minutes, then I would more think it is fatigue at the muscle. But it, it's something else if he's just gone after after 20 minutes. Um, but if you've had two injuries in the same place sort of consecutively, then there is going to be more concern and more sort of caution about bringing you back that second time. So, yeah, it... it Looks like that he will be out uh, without De Bruyne for yeah months. Um, scan on Monday, and uh, I'm sure there will be news on Tuesday in the press conference, if not before, um, of how long City are without him. Mm. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it in part two about you know the the fillers really and that sounds a bit redundant because it's you know it's it's coming into Kevin De Bruyne's position <laughs> but it's 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 aiding you know this is making a, a real generalization here but you mentioned on the last pod that it might be a slow start it might not be it's obviously been quite a quick start for City already but Kevin De Bruyne is such a massive cog Si and we realized that last season didn't we such a massive cog that for a prolonged period of time him being out is it's naturally going to hamper City a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's it's funny really because I'd seen sort of loads this past week about how injury prone he is and how he can't be relied upon in sort of the context of City going for another midfielder. And I was thinking, well, like, hang on a minute, he's on, he's had one big, one bad injury, sort of Istanbul and over summer. Um, but you know, just because of his age, it's not like this guy's like injury prone now. Um, and then, you know, Burnley happens and it, it's one of those things. So quite uh, quite glad that I didn't go all out and sort of say that De Bruyne would never get injured again. Uh, but yeah, nobody can, can do what he can do. And, you know, it was his kind of cross for the, the first goal that, that set City on their way. Um, and he, he will be a huge miss. City have, you know, they've managed without him before and even parts of last season he didn't get in the team when he was fit um, but around kind of that time February was when people started to kind of write him off and then he responded in such emphatic fashion to remind people why they, they do count on him so much when he's when he's fit so you know I, I think first and foremost everyone wishes that you know his, his recovery is um, is good and then yeah so he can can think about getting him getting him back in the team. 
Now you wonder if there's going to be a rousing Pep Guardiola message this time when De Bruyne comes back like last season. Um, but two other issues as well, Si, which and weren't, weren't, I will say, and I don't know if you've signed up for fantasy football this year, but I have, and it's absolutely battered my fantasy football team already. John Stones and Ruben Diaz. Did you have both in your team or just one? I had, I had all three. You had all three? Oh, no. I had Diaz, Stone and Kevin De Bruyne. I just looked oh, at my phone. No. I looked at my phone at about, you know, what time, What was it, quarter to ten? I thought, just yeah. no point. Is why I pay no interest to it after week two. There's no point. No, I'd, I'd taken Stones out this week. Um, oh, really? Lost, lost my nerve on him and then uh, got lucky. But yeah, um, so Stones is out with a, a hip issue that... Um, isn't thought to be that serious, but will likely rule him out of the the Super Cup squad. Um, they're travelling on on Monday afternoon, I think, so that should be fairly apparent um, by the end of Monday. And uh, Ruben Diaz, it, um, concussion basically Friday training that that happens. So under the concussion rules for this season, um, he has to sit out for seven days. So I mean, it, it's looking like he's out. Um, well he's definitely out for Tuesday and then yeah he won't have had many training sessions before Saturday's game with with Newcastle um, not that the team will train that much between uh, the Super Cup and Newcastle but yeah Stones is out and um, Diaz is is out as well um, but both kind of pretty minor both could be fit for, for Saturday against Newcastle but um, we wait and see but a kind of sign of the times that you can have Stones and Diaz missing and still not need to start Gavardiol or Laporte in your your team. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, there's so many options, isn't there? Even at the back. I mean, even somebody you probably wouldn't think of is like Rodri. Obviously, he does it for Spain, doesn't he? But it's, I mean, you'd obviously be taking him out of that position where, I mean, we'll get onto it in a little bit, but where he was just ridiculous the other day. But going forward, who who would be your, let's say hypothetically, because football is pretty much hypothetical, you know, 80% of the time anyway. Who would you go with, Si, if they are both out? Who would be your centre-back partnership for the Super Cup? Well, they are going to be out for that, but for the Newcastle game, let's say as well. Um, I think it would be a Kanji and then Ake or Gradiol. I sort of shrugged there not because there's like no options but just because you you kind of um Ake or Gradiol are probably best playing um as that kind of fullback going forward um presuming that Walker's on the on the right and, and so a Kanji can do it as well and has done it before but Ake and Gradiol are probably a bit a bit more progressive than than Akanji is maybe, and Akanji is kind of more secure as a centre back. Um, but the the point is that City are, are blessed with with options, having having spent a lot of money on centre backs, but spent a lot of money. Definitely, hundred percent. We're going to leave it there for Act One, everybody. Stick around for Act Two as we speak about potential replacements for Kevin De Bruyne and the Super Cup going forward.
Hello everybody, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We're here talking everything City as always every Monday and every Thursday, Friday as well. So make sure you tune in, leaving us a five-star rating and of course commenting on our YouTube videos. We really appreciate and read every comment. Um, okay, so we spoke in the in the first part, Si, obviously about Kevin De Bruyne, which was the major news. We spoke in the studio, I think it was last Monday, wasn't it, about, you know, a certain individual coming to the party and really taking his chance this season. And that obviously was Phil Foden. Is this now almost, you know, one person's adversity is another's opportunity? Yeah, potentially. Um, I think with Foden coming inside, kind of one of the concerns that people would still have about Foden inside is that Foden and De Bruyne inside together is kind of, too much aggression and maybe not enough um, caution helping Rodri out as a as a three. You maybe don't give your defence enough protection. So, um, and you're going to play De Bruyne when when fit. However, if Foden can be the De Bruyne role, if De Bruyne is unfortunately injured as he is, then that is more um, kind of takes away those concerns. Um, but you know, City are also still in the market for, for Pakitara at West Ham, who would probably expect to play centrally if he if he came in. So you sort of think if 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 he came in then um Foden and Bernardo would expect to play wider and if um they signed Doku instead, then he would play wide and Foden and Bernardo would be more use in the middle. So it, it's very much kind of numerous plates spinning for City at the moment in the in the transfer market. They still haven't worked out how to replace Mares and they still haven't worked out how to sort of deal with De Bruyne's injury um and sort of will will only really know when they know how long De Bruyne is out for. Um but yeah, lots of lots of plates spinning. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, it'd be it'd be a real vote of confidence, especially with like you just said, the plate spinning for Guardiola to almost go. There you go, Phil. This is yours now. You know, it's your it's yours yeah. to lose. Yeah, it would. Um, but at the same time, they kind of have to um, think about bodies in the squad. Um, you know, as much as like numbers are arbitrary, they they can't have too small a squad just with the the numbers. They've already got three injuries, um, and they kind of need to make decisions on. James McAtee, Cole Palmer, Oscar Bob, those kind of fringe players, like are they are have they shown enough to be counted as as a player that could come into the middle for certain games uh, or could go out wide for certain games, or do you need to spend a lot more money basically to bring new players in and um and sort of have that extra competition for the likes of Foden and, and Silver and Grealish? Is, is your hunch, Si, you know, if, I mean, we'll get on to uh, Pakitar just in a little bit and and obviously, you know, if they, and Doku, but is your hunch that players like James McAtee and Oscar Bob, if these signings were to be moved on by Manchester, Manchester City and they were able to, you know, recruit more bodies in that area, is your expectation that these players might be available for loan? Yeah, I, I think with... Um... I think with Palmer and McAtee, I mean, Guardiola has spoken about Palmer not quite as recently um, as McAtee, about McAtee. But I think for, for both of them, the situation is that Pep would like to keep them and keep them around to use at some points this season. 
they are both at the stage of their career where they would like to play more or have the guarantee of more minutes than they can get at City. Um, and so, you know, if they can't get the assurances of as much game time at City, then they will look to to move. Um, and, you know, it's not ideal to, to move kind of after the season started, but they're kind of good enough players that they will back themselves to to come in and, and make a make a difference where where they go because there is a hell of a lot of interest in in both players. Um so yeah, it's kind I, I would if you had to sort of push me, I would think that maybe McAtee and, and Palmer would both go somewhere on loan, uh, unless kind of crazy money came in for one of them. And mm-hmm. maybe Bob would stay and be that figure where he he doesn't get many games or appearances, but he kind of gets enough to to be kind of more content than the McAtee or Palmer would be with those minutes. Yeah, almost like when Foden wasn't allowed to go out on loan, but he was almost yeah. that bench option, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and, and like the role that Palmer has played for the last few seasons, basically. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to uh, another another midfield uh, man. Obviously, we were just speaking about. Foden there we've spoken about Kevin De Bruyne um Kovacic looks all right doesn't he yeah 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 he does he's um the sort of Gundogan replacement that isn't a Gundogan replacement but that may end <laughs> up being the Gundogan replacement um I think I just I just want to chop in before we listen to your um your your explanation and extended analysis of Matteo I absolutely love him I think he's so good. I've got <laughs> such, yeah, and I think he's just so classy and he just fits so well into this city side. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to get that out. No, no, fine. No, no, uh, he, he does have a lot of people who love him a lot um, and you can see why when he plays, he does kind of have, he does remind you a bit of um, of Modric with just the way he kind of glides across the pitch um, and there's there's a few, a few kind of like chipped balls in for for teammates that Gundogan did a lot. There was one into Foden where he sort of took it on his heel and um, nearly scored a spectacular goal. So, yeah, he's he's slotted in well. And um, I think he, he looks like one of those players that won't need any time really to, to adapt. Obviously, he'll get better over time in the system, but he's kind of intelligent enough and experienced enough as a as a footballer to know what to what to do when it was kind of telling that with De Bruyne um, injured, he was the one who was turned to, to um, sort of help City out because they were in, you know, by that stage of the game, Burnley were probably on top. So it wasn't like an easy Premier League debut for him with City. It just feels like he can do quite a lot in the midfield. Like he's a bit of an all-rounder, isn't he? And I think like even like you were just saying with the the Phil Foden interchange there, it's like him pushing forward, doing a nice little no look pass to Phil Foden, looking for the one two. It's maybe you know if it, then he, I'm just I'm thinking ahead here, but maybe he could have slotted it in the corner. But <laughs> it's just one of the, it's one of those things where it just feels like in that midfield he can do pretty much anything very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's shown he can offer things both in attack and defensively. Kind of he's very comfortable at coming to receive the ball off Edison and that takes a bit of the pressure off Rodri because if anyone's man-marking Rodri or double-marking Rodri, then, you know, there's a space free for Kovacic to kind of hoover up and, and take two players out of the game. So, yeah, he's um, he looks a very good addition and um, and he is someone who you'd certainly expect to see a lot more if De Bruyne is out for a while. Yeah, and with 
Once again, you've done it again. What the f- incredible <laughs> intuition! Um, but but the like you just said, the Kovacic role almost splitting the centre backs, going receive going and receiving the ball off Edison and playing out that way. It, it feels like in in certain games, teams try to almost pinpoint Rodri as 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 that conductor really of what goes on with Man City. But you feel like you just illustrated there that Kovacic takes that burden a little bit off Rodri. And then as we saw the other night, you see Rodri just being able to dictate and just 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 shine again, really. Yeah, Rodri's game kind of really interested me. He sort of did a bit of everything, but he popped up a lot more in attacking positions than I maybe thought he would. Um, and kind of looked like he has that a bit more of a desire for goal. So it'll be interesting to see if he can score a few more this season um you know already a, a goal and an assist for the the campaign that's not bad um but yeah I mean Burnley kind of pressed Burnley man marked so Rodri was always kind of marked but not overloaded um but that kind of freed up Edison um and you know when you've got Edison <laughs> to, play, to, to play to play to play centre back yeah yeah and just like some of the balls Edison was playing over the top you were just like this guy is ridiculous um he could and play centre midfield, couldn't he? He definitely could play centre midfield. He could, he could, yeah. And, you know, I've spoken to, like, Premier League coaches at other Premier League clubs who said, yeah, they, they genuinely rate him as, as one of the <laughs> the better midfielders in the league. Um, and they really have to, like, when they plan to play Man City, they sort of have had to come up with new plans because of Edison, basically. Because you can no longer just kind of say, we've marked the outfielders, that's our job done. Um, so you know Edison showed again at Burnley why he is such a a big asset but but Kovacic has really kind of come in and done what Calvin Phillips didn't um, and still hasn't at at City which is just kind of look very comfortable in the team and be able to get yourself into those positions that you need to be in that midfield um, both kind of with facing goal or with your back to goal um so in that respect, kind of it, it, it already looks a, a good signing from City. Yeah, I, I just see. I don't know. Like I know he, I know he wants to stay. I get it. I, get, I completely understand why he wants to stay. But I, I just can't see how this works. And that might that that may sound really negative and pessimistic. But if City are to make a book on it at some point um, that would be massively advantageous and I think right now Phillips' stock is still relatively high you know if he goes through another season where it's bench option bench option bench option maybe that value will go down and you just think right now especially if and we'll get on to Paqueta in a little bit but especially if that is going to be another addition you saw Kovacic on Friday night and how he just fit so seamlessly you're thinking with Calvin it's it's not. It's, it feels like it's not going to be a good ending from its city, does it? No, and you know, even more so than Kovacic coming on for him, like uh, coming on mm. for De Bruyne, but McAtee coming on at the end um, ahead of him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Phillips does move on, uh, maybe on loan, but by the end of the window, because if he's got to sit through another four or five games where sort of he's people who were behind him in the pecking order or who weren't even in the squad last year are coming on ahead of him. Um, Because again, this should be a really big opportunity for him if there's an opening in midfield, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like he's, you know, quite ready to to take it. Um, And maybe he kind of needs another, 
another challenge just to sort of remind himself of how good he is because it, it, it's been quite a big kind of fall from winning England's best player over the year to sort of not starting any games for City. So, yeah, I... <laughs> I guess it just shows the standard, doesn't it, Si? Like when you're looking at City, just those levels. Like even when we're referring to England, you're looking at that City level and it's just on a completely different stratosphere, it feels. Yeah, it's also just kind of the fit of a club um, and how those positions are. Um, I mean, you know, Leeds in, in a sense play or under be able to play somewhat like City, but... Um, certainly kind of as they moved away from Bielsa and that, you know, I think, I think it was right. They kind of took less and less possession over, over time. And, um, maybe Phillips is better out of possession than in a team that's kind of dominating the ball always. I don't know, but, um, it, it just feels like it's not clicked for him. And while he joins many other players in coming to City and, thinking, wow, this is different. Um, he He's still waiting um, for for that sort of, to, to come to terms with that and to deal with it. And I'm not sure if he's not come to terms with it by the end of this transfer window. Does he want another season of, of not playing? Mm, yeah, it's definitely, definitely an interesting conversation. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. But moving on... Um... Paqueta, I mean, it came out of nowhere. We spoke about it on the pod last week, uh, and and the money that was that was being discussed was crazy. Uh, you know, it was just like, whoa, where has this come from? Um, Jeremy Doku as well, uh, a fantastic Belgian winger, very quick, nippy, um, would fit in, and and maybe would be that Mares replacement. Um, what what can you tell us about those two transfers? Say, si? is it is it is it progressing? Is it is it baloney? What is it? <laughs> yeah it's interesting um you know there's there's firm interest from city in both and there's firm interest from the players in 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 moving to city um as as you would expect i think it would be the case of one rather than the other i don't think they get both of them in um but also you know you've kind of got uh the the managers of both players kind of openly talking about the deals in in press conferences and you know David Moyes saying we've had a bid from City but it's nowhere near what um what we'd expect and with Doku it's like oh well you know you, it would take a big offer to get rid of to to lose him but you know sometimes you you can't uh, you know you you've essentially got two clubs say, saying to City come and pay us a lot of money for this player and um you know, Moyes' words in relation to Paqueta are very different to Declan Rice, where he was sort of like, oh, well, I just get the news from you. You tell me what's going on. And there wasn't kind of, he wasn't being as transparent then uh, with Rice as he as he's now being, um, which always makes you wonder how well negotiations are, are actually going. Because if, if they were going sort of as, as smoothly as um, some people are saying, there'd kind of be no need for for Moyes to, to, to go public about it and, and say these things. Um, so, you know, there, there have been discussions about uh, price tags. Um, I'd still be surprised if City went as high as 
Yeah, it seems a lot, doesn't it? Seems yeah, a lot. Yeah, if if they neared on a hundred or ninety for uh, for Paqueta, I think it would be. Uh, I, I'd I wouldn't expect that. Um, so may, maybe it accelerates after De Bruyne's injury, and they think it's worth paying the mm-hmm. the premium because De Bruyne is out, and we need another experienced body, maybe. Um, but as far as I know, we're kind of still at that point of um, two clubs open to a big sale, um, kind of touting their players about and City have interest in both players, but whether they would be willing to um, to, to meet um, the selling clubs and, and give them what they want, that they've not really got a reputation for doing that in the market. Yeah, Jack Grealish aside, that's exactly what I was about to say. You sort of look at the price tag and you think that's not very... It's not very Manchester City, that one. <laughs> yeah, and, and Grealish was a release clause, so that was kind of a mm. set amount. Um, and, you know, they would have gone high for Kane if he'd been available. So it, it's not like paying is the option, but uh, we've kind of seen... I, I think City have to come to terms with um, whether they want to join in this summer window. <laughs> You know, there, there have been the, 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 the chaotic Lavia Caicedo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, because City are very strict on their valuations and what they deem a player to be worth. Now, does a is a player worth more if those around him is going for more? Yeah, because you know, City have seen with with Bernardo Silva this summer, like they've looked at the fees for say Mason Mount and Declan Rice and thought, well, if they're going for that much, like. Bernardo Silva is not going to be sold cheaply. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, Guardiola mentioned the other week, like they're always quoted 10, 15 million more because everyone knows they've got loads of money. But mm. do they budge on their valuations of what a player is worth because they recognise that the market is too high or do they say just because the market's high because other people are, are paying over the odds for players? Um do, do we join that or do we stick by our guns and make do with what we do and ask Guardiola to prove why he's the best coach in the world again? Yeah, you can't, you can't ever even see City going on the rationale of handing out nine, ten year contracts either. It feels like City do <laughs> things in a very specific way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, you know... It, it's still not clear which way they want to go. I think because of those facts in the market that they're really not sure. I think it's safe to say these deals are not necessarily deals that they normally do, but kind of have to be considered in, in their situation. I guess that's football though, isn't it? At some points you get, I guess you guess your hand is sometimes forced, isn't it? With stuff yeah, like this. yeah, but yeah, and it is. Um, but also it's kind of not the, it's not the city way in that they normally like to identify their targets like months ahead at schedule and track them and get them done early in the summer. Um, whereas, you know, I think, I think last year they kind of had four to announce before the middle of July. Whereas, mm. you know, now they're, they're still, um, still working on, kind of a big deal because whichever one they they sign if they do sign one of them it it would be a big significant deal who would be expected to come in and and play in the first team immediately so um yeah they're, they're still still going on it 
Right, guys. Well, we'll see you in Act 3. Make sure you stay with us. We're going to be talking score updates from last week. We're going to be speaking about the Super Cup and um, if Simon is excited for Athens. We'll catch you in a bit. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Got a few more bits left on the agenda, Si. Um, score updates from last week, our score predictions. I did push you in the studio for uh, a score prediction. You did get it wrong, but I also got it wrong as well. I predicted Burnley were going to score. Um, but it sounds what like... Did, on what the did fan- I say? You said 2-0. Oh, so I was, I was closer than you then, was I? Well, I, just, I said 3-1, so I don't know who's closer. Uh, um, I guess so, I guess. It's, it's uh, nip and tuck, isn't it? Yeah, we, need, yeah. we, need, we need a little league, don't we? A little it's, league, yeah, a two-man yeah. league. Yeah, we'll get, Dan, get Dan involved. Get yeah. Dan involved for whenever he wants to come on the podcast, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll we'll get a nice little league sorted. But yeah, three one from myself too. So nobody won uh, won any sort of prizes last week, unfortunately. But it is what it is. We'll get your score predictions ahead of this, uh, the 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 game in in Athens um, uh, at the end of the pod. But Super Cup chat's a bit weird, isn't it, Sai? Um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about it? I don't know. It's just strange, isn't it? And you just kicked off the Premier League season. It's not the Champions League. It's the Super Cup. Are you, are you excited about this? Are you, are you excited for Athens? You know, going to the Saronic Sor- Gulf, Acropolis, and of course, viewing Manchester City out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much I will see of it beyond the, <laughs> the stadium in Piraeus. Um, it's very much... Uh, two two red eye flights to uh <laughs> to get there but we're we're not complaining um no yeah it, it is <clears throat> it is weird and it is um it, it's a trophy that Guardiola will really want to win because it's a trophy that City have never had the opportunity to play for um and you know they they did want to win the community shield quite badly or more so than in previous years so they could say they'd won six in the calendar year but um, this is they still have the opportunity to win five with the Club World Cup and also you know Guardiola will always be the, the guy who won the first Champions League with City he would like to be the one who won the first Super Cup as well so uh, only five uh, only five yeah um, <laughs> so this is um, it is a big game but at the same time they play Newcastle on Saturday night and they've made no bones about the fact that they're pretty annoyed at having to um turn around so quickly after Athens um, especially because it's um, similar to Istanbul it's two hours ahead so they're going to be playing and awake well into uh, Thursday morning and then mm-hmm. um, flying back some time and playing Newcastle who are one of the better teams in the league and didn't look too bad themselves at the weekend um, on Saturday night so uh, you know the, it is a big opportunity for City but at the same time they won't want to sort of prioritise it to the cost of the Premier League yeah definitely are you expecting I mean like you said obviously Pep wants to win it but on the premise of what you just said would you expect Manchester City to, to rotate a little bit or do you think it's going to be full strength I think it'll be a bit like the Community Shield I think it will be a strong team but there won't be kind of that all out um, a, a strong team with the hope that kind of the result is in their favour to the extent that they can take players off early. Um, mm, yeah. But, you know, we saw against Arsenal, Haaland came off after an hour, even nil-nil. So, you know, I think that is an example of a sacrifice that they might make um, for Newcastle because 
yeah, they it is an important game and a, a trophy at stake, but at the same time the Premier League remains kind of what they're what they're all about. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm gonna push you once again before we end the podcast, Sai, for a cheeky score prediction. <laughs> we'll go up to up to, we're not gonna do Newcastle yet, so we'll have a podcast uh, in between the severe and Newcastle game on Friday. Um, but, Sai, uh, if I'm going to push you for a score prediction... Well, I'll go one bolder then and go 3-0. <laughs> oh, well, no. This is going to be it every time. It's 3-0, 4-0. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, okay. Interesting. I'm going to go with... Because Sevilla just... Sevilla just so awkward in any European mm. competition. Aren't they? I'm going to go with a... I think they'll rotate a little bit. So I'm going to go with a... A two-one, a scrappy two-one victory, right. um, but we'll wait. We'll wait and see who, who come, comes out on top. One of us needs to get one score right, surely this <laughs> season. Um, so yeah, we'll leave it there. Sai, thank you so much for joining me. You can catch Sai obviously out on the um, on the Manchester Evening News. I'm sure you're going to be doing loads of. Of, of, of nice articles leading up to the game on Wednesday and post of course um, make sure you tune into the Talking City podcast everybody every week we're trying to get out two episodes a week uh, make sure you're leaving a five star rate and if you want to watch this in living colour quoting our co-host Dan Murphy you can check us out on YouTube as well make sure you like comment and subscribe and uh, guys thanks for um, stopping by this Monday morning and we will catch you in a bit cheers <laughs>